Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're looking at a subject that brings about a fascinating interface between the world of medicine and the area of financial health. To guide us on what really promises to be a very exciting program is a physician himself, Dr. Kenyon Meadows. Kenyon, it's great to have you with us on today's show. I appreciate you having me on, Dave. Kenyon, you've got a fascinating background. Tell us a little bit about your journey into medicine. Oh, yes. Well, uh, currently I'm a practicing radiation oncologist. So uh, my day job is dealing with cancer patients. And so that's very, very rewarding. I'm originally from uh, Youngstown, Ohio. Grew up in steel, steel country and have migrated down to the southeast and uh, currently in uh, southeast Georgia where I practice. Well, we've got a lot in common. I did my residency, my internal medicine residency in Ohio, other side of the state, down uh, by Dayton, Wright State University. And uh, then my wife, who's also a physician, enticed me out to uh, Florida where she did her family practice residency. And believe it or not, along the way, I ended up practicing in Georgia for a while. So, so we've got a lot in common just geographically. But I know a lot of my folks are interested about your uh, financial journey as well because you're getting a lot of visibility not just for the work you do with cancer, but you've become an expert of sorts in uh, what's sometimes called alternative investments. Tell us a little bit about that path. Yeah, well, as a definition, uh, what, what's an alternative investment? Well, it's a, it's a pretty broad category and the, the, the financial pros define it as basically anything other than the traditional stocks, bonds, mutual funds, CDs, money markets, accounts, the type of things that I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with. So it's a very broad term, which can include everything from things like real estate to precious metal. Um, so lots of different things within it. So typically, folks find a few different asset classes and, and get good at it. And that's what I decided to do. And my journey into wanting to get into this was basically born out of uh, some negative experiences with some traditional uh, assets, namely the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a pretty unpleasant 2008, as I'm sure mostly everybody did. And uh, then after that, too, um, I decided to do a lot of oil and gas investing, um, and, and we see what's happened to, with that over the last few years. And so with that as a backdrop, I, I asked myself, what are some other things that I could invest in that could produce, hopefully, returns similar to the stock market, but wouldn't be subject to the sometimes pretty pretty big downturns? So that's, that's what got me interested. Well, you know, one thing that really interested me, and I don't know your story, we're, we're getting acquainted uh, by way of the radio show here, is this connection between radiation oncology 
and investments. And let me tell you where I'm coming from because that may not be the typical question you get uh, asked. And it's it's this. It's many times when people are facing a life-threatening illness like cancer that they often become introspective, start looking at their life, start looking at these big picture issues. And one of the questions I had was, did your work in the oncology or cancer field, did that in any way through your encounter with patients shape some of your interest in looking at long-term investments? Well, the name of the name of my blog and, and subsequent book, which I hope we'll talk about a little bit about, it's called Alternative Financial Medicine. And where I got the idea for that concept is that just like in investing, we, we have asset classes and a way to do about it that's considered traditional. Well, when it comes to medicine, as you're aware, we have traditional and sometimes called Western medicine, and then we have other things that are considered alternatives. So in, in my day-to-day practice, I, I, there's a steady group of patients that come in, and when you, when you tell them that, hey, you need, you need surgery, you need radiation, you need chemotherapy to deal with your cancer, some of them seek out alternative medicine, mm-hmm. um, things like um, uh, acupuncture, nutritional therapy. And so that's where I kind of got the idea conceptually for alternative financial things from, from the, that parallel in the medicine realm. I mean, I really appreciate this, and I know it resonates in Indian country. Some years ago, I was actually working at a health center in Oklahoma, and we were doing a lot with alternative or complementary medical therapies. We were especially working with diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol problems, heart disease, looking at natural strategies. And when Native Americans came through our facility, they would tell us, I mean, this is like our traditional ways. So as we're speaking about some of these alternative ways to handle finances, I mean, there was no stock market here in North America prior to uh, European contact, and yet many uh, First Nation communities were thriving. They were uh, uh, investing, if you will, maybe not in the type of investment strategies we'll be talking about, but they were looking to the future for their benefit, for their people, and I think this is just a, a great segue into the topic. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Kenyon, one of the other uh, interesting things that I'll just mention on this whole topic of uh, of alternative uh, medicine is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's fascinating. Just last night, just as a practical example, I was speaking here in Northern California, where I'm based, to a community group. They wanted me to speak about a new book I have out called 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. And so we're speaking about these natural approaches. And people are they're they're tired often of the conventional approaches that haven't been giving them the return on their investment. I'm speaking in the health arena. So I had folks saying, well, you know, these medications, you were talking about side effects of drugs. And it is really the same story, isn't it, in the financial industry? Because people look at that conventional wisdom and they say, this has not been working for me. I really want something different. Are you getting a lot of responses like that to your blog? Uh, I have been. And yes, you, you, what I found is that there are there's a there's a nice chunk of people out there. They desire to branch off into something different, but you know the information and how to go about it, it it's a lot more fragmented 
and it's a lot it's a lot more difficult to get a handle on compared to the conventional financial world where you know most of us say for instance when it comes to the stock market mm-hmm. you know most of us participate say for instance through our job and our our 401k and everything and it's kind of set up in the and the wheels are greased for you to participate in that and then when you look at a lot of mainstream financial uh, shows and media, that is oftentimes a very featured uh, segment on there, how the market did in the newspaper and everything. So that, in order to get a handle on that, it, it's much easier, that, that, that body of knowledge. But when you go off into the alternative realm, you really, number one, have to identify what assets do you think might fit, like your budget, your risk tolerance, and the, 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 the knowledge base that you need to get competent with it, you kind of have to go seek it out. It's not nearly as fed to you <laughs> as it is on the, on the traditional side is what I found. No, I mean, these are great analogies. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing these parallels just like you are with medicine because we get so many people coming into our offices. They're interested in the alternative. They're interested in the complementary in the medical realm. And they're jumping onto websites that are giving, and I'll be honest with you, many times a lot of misinformation. And so folks are looking for credible material in the health field. And it's the same like you're saying, isn't it, when it comes to alternative investing? Correct. And what I found on the alternative side of things, I never want to want to denigrate the professionals who are, are into these things uh, full time. But there, there are there's definitely a cohort of people. They want to hear regular people's investment uh, philosophy and, and experiences. So I've been surprised to find that there's been a lot of people that have really appreciated me as a non-financial person who, quite frankly, you know, doesn't have a financial product to sell them, mm-hmm. but what I'm what I'm what I'm largely selling them is my experience and uh, you know some of the resources that I've used to get myself up to speed, and they like to hear that from somebody sometimes who's not uh, a pro in that arena. So that's been uh, a very eye-opening experience. How much people have appreciated that. So let me see if I've got this straight, uh, Kenyon. Of course, you're an MD, a physician, Dr. Kenyon Meadows, radiation oncologist. That's your day job. You're you're uh-huh. you're working in that field actively. Mm-hmm. So you don't need a bunch of people to get excited about what you're sharing on the radio and call you and become your clients, and you're going to have a manage their portfolio. You you don't do that. Have I got that straight? That's correct. That's correct. My main mission. Number one, this, uh, the alternative investments has become a legitimate passion, side interest of mine. So I delve into it at a deep level in terms of educating myself, various blogs, podcasts. You know, I attend some conferences and things of that nature. But no, that's not my goal is not to have anyone be my client. I don't have a uh, any kind of securities license or investment advisor type of situation. But what I do have, uh, I, I feel, is a, is a decent experience now, having been doing this for the last three to four years, and I'm willing to basically open up and, and share with folks what, what my experience has been and to show them that you can delve into some alternative assets that might also contribute to your overall financial goal. And there's, I mean, there's more out there than what we've been exposed to. 
this is great. So we're we're on the same page, and uh, we're looking forward to a lot of your insights that we're going to cover over the course of the one-hour show. But as we're setting the stage, give us some of the high points. What topics, Kenyon, can we expect to discuss over the next hour or so? Yeah, well, we could, we're going to talk about some, some areas within real estate, okay, which I think is, is really the one that, out of all the alternative assets, the one that has the, the highest profile or highest recognition amongst people out there. And lots of people know intuitively that real estate is an asset that you can invest in that can give you some diversification out of the stock market. But within that broad realm, there's multiple subcategories within that. And so we're going to talk about private mortgage lending, for an example. Uh, we're going to talk about owning rental property. And then we're going to talk about something that's pretty new and emerging, real estate crowdfunding. Hmm. So those are some areas within real estate that, that we're going to talk about. Great. And then, yeah, and then broadly, uh, another topic is other forms of high-yield lending to people hmm. where, you know, you loan money to people, businesses even, and you can earn returns that are much more attractive Say, for instance, then you know, having your money be in a savings account, mm-hmm. uh, which is not doing a whole lot in that regard. So Very interesting. That's another arena. Mm-hmm. So, and for individuals who are able to be with us for the whole hour, they're going to benefit from your, your insights. But for those who may just be catching us for a short time, you do have a, a blog and a book both. Am I correct? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, same title, Alternative Financial Medicine. There's the dot com is obviously the blog, and on it I have some interviews, blog posts, uh, book reviews that can uh, that I think would be a good resource for folks. I have interviews with some some financial pros, people that uh, run companies, say for instance, that specialize in some of these various areas that I've gotten to know over the years, and. Um, and like I guess I also have some, some book reviews and some blog posts of my own. And then, yes, very recently put out a book uh, by the same title, Alternative Financial Medicine. It's available on Amazon. Wow, this is great. We're going to be talking uh, this whole show with Dr. Kenyon Meadows. If you didn't catch it, Alternative Financial Medicine is the topic. That's also his website, alternativefinancialmedicine.com. And it's the title of his new book, Alternative Financial Medicine, High Yield Investing in a Low Yield World. We're going to be learning from his experience. We've got a lot coming up, whether it's real estate, whether it's other forms of high-yield lending. It is all coming up on today's show. Don't go away. Dr. Meadows is not leaving. I'm not either. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. 
For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living, Dr. David DeRose. With me, Dr. Kenyon Meadows. If you've been with us from the beginning of the hour, you realize that Kenyon is a radiation oncologist. He's one of those specialists in the cancer field that helps to treat cancers with what we call ionizing radiation. Boy, that sounds so technical. Uh, for those who are really scratching their heads, Kenyon, a little about what you do, help us see uh, your uh, medical profession in a little bit clearer light before we jump into the topic at hand on investing. Yeah, well, um, when it comes to, to cancer therapy, there, there's three main big uh, treatment approaches. Uh, that's surgery radiation and chemotherapy. And for a lot of the common cancers, such as lung, prostate, and breast cancer, radiation plays a, a, a pivotal role. And our job basically is to deliver aggressive local treatment, meaning where the cancer started, sometimes in combination with surgery, or sometimes we're the main thing that's going to deal with the local cancer there. And, you know, typically people will come and get treated for uh, a few minutes a day for multiple weeks at a time uh, is a very common scenario, although our field is moving to the point where we can sometimes deliver a few very large treatments over the span of a, a week or so. So things mm -hmm. are starting to, treatment courses are starting to shorten up and we're getting more precise and, and getting more aggressive with things as well. So like many physicians, you are really focused on problem solving and helping turn things around in the medical arena, especially with cancer. You're doing the same in the financial field right now. You're, you're 
uh, in kind of problem-solving mode for those who are looking at better ways to invest their money. And it really was a personal journey for you more than anything else. Did I pick up on that correctly? Yes, very, very much. As we touched on a little bit earlier, uh, on the heels of my of, of an unpleasant uh, 08 experience and even sort of a second downturn in my portfolio being very heavily weighted into oil and gas and seeing that have a, have a bad outcome, I was ready to explore other things that could hopefully give me returns that were similar, at least, to the long-term returns of the stock market, but maybe didn't have the same volatility. And so my first real delving into an alternative asset in any meaningful way was something I discovered called private mortgage lending. Okay. And what, what that is, is simply when an individual provides the money for a mortgage on a property as opposed to an institution or a bank. Mm-hmm. And probably the thing that most of our listeners might be familiar with, you'll recall, Dave, how popular all the flip these houses type shows were before 2008 in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't turn on the home and garden TV channel without seeing a bunch of those things. Well, when one of those gentlemen goes to flip a house, they don't go to a bank to get that money. They actually come to generally a private investor hmm. to provide them with short-term, relatively high-yield money uh, over the course of maybe 6 to 18 months, so relatively short duration. And that is my, well, that was my first alternative investment. And the thing that attracted me to it was that you could have interest rates on that money of 10, 12, 14% routinely, and, and and that was very attractive. But it was also a passive investment, too, where you're just supplying the money and the person is doing the house flipping and ultimately the selling. Mm-hmm. So the real work is just basically finding somebody reliable to loan that money to up front. So that was my first real alternative investment strategy. So basically, for someone to get into that type of investment, they've actually got to have all the cash on hand to actually finance a house. they got to be able to, in other words, buy the house outright. Is that correct? Uh, uh, mean, yes, substantially yes. In the, in the traditional private lending sense, it's generally one investor supplying that, the capital for that home purchase. But there's a new twist on it, and this, this ties in uh, nicely because what's emerged just over the last few years is something called real estate crowdfunding. Hmm. And what that allows is for folks who don't, who might not have the maybe high five figures, uh, low six figure type of check they can write to to finance a house flip by themselves. Some of these uh, real estate crowdfunding sites will allow people to contribute a small fraction of that to a private loan. And the minimums to participate are much more, within the reach of regular people, $1,000 or less, say, for instance, as opposed to fifty dollars or $100,000 or more in the, in the traditional private lending sense. So it, it's, it's available out there now, but the, the crowdfunding is really a, a new twist on private lending. Well, you've got my mind going in a couple of different directions. I'll tell you where it's going, and then I'll, and then I'll hone in on a single aspect of it. Uh, I guess two things. One is, you know, we're speaking about real estate, and we have a lot of, of course, Native American listers. Many people are involved actually at a tribal organizational level, tribal council members, uh, uh, tribal chair people. Uh, 
you know, you got me thinking, well, if, if a tribe is not involved in some type of uh, real estate uh, ventures, might this be something they could get involved with? That's one stream that I want to explore. The other one uh, has to do with risk, which would be relevant, of course, whether it's a tribal entity or an individual. I'll just be honest with you, and maybe we'll take that question first. Uh, this really seems, just from my vantage point, that this might be a pretty high-risk investment. Is is that not the case? Well. When it comes to one of the things that attracted me to private lending in the first place is that, relatively speaking, you can be in a protected position. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, you're essentially acting as a bank to the real estate entrepreneur who, say, for instance, is doing a house flip or another development. So, what that means is you don't put up all the money that's required. You typically just just like on your on your, on your primary house when you went to the bank to get a loan, mm -hmm. you know, they want you to put up that twenty percent or so, so you have some skin in the game. Well, a very a common thing on a private lending investment type of strategy is to have that person put up more like thirty or thirty five percent of the money that's required. So they have a significant chunk in the project as well. Okay. And then number two. You are you you get a, a a lien or a mortgage position on it so that you have so that that project itself is also acting as collateral for your loan. Mm -hmm. So if done well, you you actually can be in a fairly protected position. And so that was one of the attractive qualities about it as a as a new person you know venturing out into the alternative space. I said, hmm, I, I like some of the characteristics of the private lending. And then the other thing too is you know once you Again, I've done your due diligence on the person and the project and everything. It, it's a pretty passive thing once you once you commit to it. Mm -hmm. Can be relatively safe, but it takes some work to be safe, though. Now, now let's speak to the you know tribal entities. You know, yes. just from your knowledge, I mean, I know you're looking at this as an individual investor. Is this yeah. something that that tribes should explore, whether it's for their own tribal members or uh, maybe as a, as an industry? Is this something that seems to have potential on a on a broader level? Well, I, I, w I would say yes in that if, if the tribe, say, for instance, has a, has a pooled, cap, pooled amount of money that they need to or have a desire to deploy in the real estate space, particularly on the crowdfunding side of things, it really allows you to participate in some projects that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. For instance, I've participated in crowdfunding projects that were single-family homes, hotels, uh, apartment complexes. So if there was a desire to have some exposure to those type of projects and they needed to deploy that capital, I would say, you know, you know yes, it'd be a worthwhile thing to explore if real estate was something they were looking to get into. Yes. So what about the crowdfunding aspect of it? I mean, there must be some specific websites or things that people go to to get involved? Uh, sure. I, I can give you a few that, that I've done um, numerous projects on. One is called RealtyShares.com. Another is called PatchOfLand.com. And a third is called RealtyMogul.com. And just to, to to tell about my experience on it, I was a fairly early adopter on these sites. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them have only been around since late 2012 um, when some legislation came into play that actually allowed them to, to be able to raise capital like this. And so I've done a number of projects that have gone full circle where I've put in my, my small contribution on a loan and the project has completed over a 
six to 18 month type time period and I've gotten the interest that was uh, part of the deal, typically in the nine to 14% range and I've gotten my original capital back. So I've done a number of these projects and, uh, you know, for the most part, things have gone as anticipated. Well, you got my interest with a, a few things. I mean, one mm-hmm. is, you know, you're getting some, some good yields. You also mentioned relatively small investment. I know you mentioned a figure before, but how small an investment can someone get involved in projects like this for? Yeah, I've seen that evolve over the last three or four years I've been involved in it. When it, when it first started out, the minimums were $5,000. That was a pretty typical amount. And while that is still a nice chunk of money, again, compared to trying to do to try to fund a full private loan in the traditional sense where you might need ten or twenty times that amount, that's that, that represented a again, a nice small fraction. Mm-hmm. And now some of the sites have even migrated that down even to smaller amounts of like a thousand and there's one site in particular that will allow you to participate in a private loan with as little as a hundred bucks. Wow, wow, this is amazing. Amazing stuff. Well, Kenyon, we, we got to step away just for a couple of minutes. We're learning about alternative investments from Dr. Kenyon Meadows, a physician. He's got a lot more great insights, things that can make a difference in your financial health. you got to stay tuned. I'm Dr. DeRose. We will be right back. Don't go away. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call one 800 775 hope that's 1-800-775-4673 so you want to be a hero here are some ways to get the job hunt down that killer shark or run into a burning house to save a kitten luckily there's an easier way to become a hero call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking walking or seeing stroke know the signs Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org. Or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute, since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more.
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back for the second half of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with Dr. Kenyon Meadows. Kenyon has been sharing with us a fascinating journey, at least fascinating to this physician host, namely someone who keeps busy on the front lines of cancer therapy, who is also trying to help uh, his patients, himself, and anybody who's willing to listen, including hopefully all of you who are joining us today, about ways that you can improve your financial health. Kenyon, I've been interested in what you've been sharing about real estate and just kind of an interesting sidelight. We're uh, on a number of stations, something like 150 American Indian Living, and I know one of the networks that carries our show was uh, actually started by a physician investor who uh, was very uh, heavily invested, as I understand the story, in the real estate uh, arena. And uh, that basically funded a, uh, a radio network. So you could do all kinds of uh, innovative things that can make a difference in Indian country and beyond if you're uh, financially healthy. Isn't that the case? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So we've been talking about real estate. We got into talking about this crowdfunding, which is really new to me. I jotted down some names. You tell me if I got these websites right. I wrote realtyshares.com. Did I get that one right? That's correct. And then patchofland.com? That's correct. And the third one, realtymogul, M-O-G-U-L? Yes, that is correct, too. Yes. Wow. So um, you're a good communicator. You, you got, got that out and uh, uh, articulated well enough that I could – I mean, sometimes those websites, uh, you know, you try to write something down, you hear on the radio, and it just goes by too quickly. You have all this stuff, though, easily accessible on your blog. Can I go on to your website and find information like that? Yeah. Uh, one thing I think that you that would be interesting, I have a video interview with graphics uh, with one of the uh, CEOs of, uh, of of Realty Shares, which is actually one of the bigger crowdfunding sites, and you know, folks could see sort of graphically what the interface looks like when you log on to the site, what it looks like to participate in a deal, and and hear from uh, a professional in, in that space about you know what the landscape is and and how how things have evolved. Since the, since the uh, the asset class has been around just a few years, specifically the, the crowdfunding aspect of mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. so I think that would be a very informative thing for people to check out for sure with some useful links too. I mean, this is great, and um, you know, just that last message you gave us about how they're lowering the bar. I mean, some places down to a thousand dollars, as little as did I hear it right, a hundred dollars? Some people could get involved in this stuff. Yeah, and you know, and that, and that bears. That, that that bears mentioning. There, there's one other site that I think should, should right now. This is the 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 easiest way for folks to participate. It's called GroundFloor.com, and had some extensive conversations with the owner of that site too. And they they definitely cater to the smaller investor who you know again may want to do kind of a little test it out kind of kind of investment with a, with a very modest amount and and get their feet wet. But again, they have a number of projects. Again, mostly single-family, fix-and-flip home type of projects, and you can yes participate in that, be in first uh, first mortgage position on it, and have some collateral. Absolutely. Wow. 
So this is really a, I mean, a great name for a website, groundfloor.com? Correct, correct. So, boy, you want to tie in realty and getting your uh, your foot in uh, at an early stage, and you got groundfloor.com. And you've got uh, an interview with the CEO of that corporation, too, or just information from your dialogue with them? Uh, yeah, there's an interview on there as well with him. Yeah. Boy, you, I mean, it sounds like a great uh, resource you've got there. And the, the blog site is simply alternativefinancialmedicine.com, right? That's correct. Wow. Kenyon, I know there's folks that are, you know, really engaged with this. You're talking about how even the little guys can get involved in the real estate market. But there's other folks tuning in and they're saying, hey, you know, 100 bucks here and there. Yeah, I could do that. But uh, I'd like to, you know, look at some of the more conventional real estate investments because that's really where you started, wasn't it? Well, you know, when you, when you talk conventional investment, I, I think a lot of people, might associate that with ownership of, of actual rental property. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's a very popular way for people to to participate. And that was the next area that I evolved to. Uh, the, the loaning of money and, and earning a nice return on it, that was good. But actual ownership of the property has a number of other financial benefits as well, such as some tax advantage and the ability to, to use some leverage prudently, meaning you know, to borrow money to control an asset. And so if you want to experience all of those additional benefits, you've got to take that leap into owning some rental property at some point. And again, though, as a busy physician, I tried to investigate, well, what's the way that I could do this in the least time-intense way? Because the last thing I wanted was to basically have another job as, as a landlord okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so after researching this i discovered there's a whole industry out there called turnkey rental uh companies and basically what these companies do is that they basically cater to individuals like myself who are busy in other arenas but want to own real estate and they position themselves as like hey if you uh trust us with the process, we'll go out and find a rental property that uh, if it needs some work, say for instance, it needs to be renovated, we'll, we'll do that. We'll place a properly screened tenant in it, and we will manage it for you going forward. And there, uh, and then that's how I got into the ownership side of things, what we call turnkey ownership of single-family rentals. Oh, so it's single-family rentals that you've been involved with. That's correct. That's correct, yes. And is that a more stable uh, market than some of the other uh, rental markets? Well, as I began to, to, to really look at what the differences were between single-family and multifamily, they both have distinct advantages and disadvantages. But the thing that really sold me on doing the single-family is that, you know, the number one thing – well, I, I should take it back – um, big big expenditures for repairs. Obviously, that's a big capital expense there. But the other big expense with owning rental property is vacancy. Mm-hmm. And when you look at owning single-family homes as rentals versus apartments, there's a lot more turnover in apartments. You know, people view that as more of a temporary situation, whereas it's not uncommon to have uh, families, say, for instance, uh, or, or, or just the general folks who seek out a single-family rental home to stay for years at a time, mm-hmm. particularly if you have three-bedroom, two-bathroom type of, type of configuration homes, 
uh, people will stay for a long, long time, and they and they tend to take care of the property a little bit better and have more of a sense of uh, of, of owning it per se. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at that, that that seemed to lend itself to a much more passive experience. And so, yes, that's why I went that way. And in the three years that I've been owning some rental property, that's definitely been the case where um, the turnkey company is doing all of the management and I get updates and things of that nature, but there's been very little turnover and it's been a very relatively hands-off experience. Now, you gave us some returns on investment with the uh, crowdfunding model. I mean, you're giving us some figures in the 10% range, give or take. Are we talking about similar annual returns on investment in this arena? Yes, that, that's the goal. Um, one of the benchmarks that is suggested when you, when you go to get a rental property is that you'd like to ideally get, a, get about 1% of the of the purchase price of the property to get that as rent on a monthly basis Hmm. and they call that the one percent rule and not everybody adheres to it but it's thought of as a a very quick uh, rule of thumb that will say if you have debt on the property and you have debt service if you're at least getting that one percent a month uh, in rent generally speaking you're able to cover the debt service in normal expenses and still have some cash flow left over. So that's always been um, an initial benchmark that helps me decide how much I'm willing to pay versus, versus how much a property will rent. And so when you, when, you, when you look at that grossly before you take out any expenses, you're looking at at least 12% return uh, uh, up front. And then, of course, you, know, you have you know, your, your property management fees and taxes and things of that nature and debt service. So it, it may wind up being whittled down a little bit to maybe like in the uh, eight or nine percent when it's all said and done as a net. Mm-hmm. So for some, for, for someone who's listening, and although they may be intrigued by some of the investment strategies, they're also in the market for a home. Maybe they're looking at rental properties. Is this a reasonable rule of thumb for a a renter if someone's uh, looking in a market where you know housing and what they're looking for runs, let's say, for you know, simplicity's sake, as far as the math, a hundred thousand dollars that they were to buy outright, uh, they should be looking at paying a thousand a month in rent. That's going to be fair, and if it's much higher than that, uh, it's overpriced. Is that safe, or does it just depend on the market? Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's a that's a depending on the market kind of thing. That that one percent rule that's very much on the investor side in terms of mm-hmm. looking at a at a potential return. So it does put some constraints, or it's meant to be, on 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 what a lot of people would buy uh, based off of the, the the rent that it would command. But again, some people don't adhere to that, particularly if they feel that the property has a decent chance to appreciate in price going forward. Uh... They would tolerate they would tolerate a rent or rent-to-price ratio that doesn't quite meet that 1% rule on the thought that, well, they'll kind of make it up on appreciation. That's not been my philosophy. I, I very much invest for the for the cash flow, and so I, I don't violate that personally, but I know some folks that do. And is it safe to say that because of your careful investing strategies, you're not investing in properties that are hundreds of miles away? They're closer to home, so you can actually check them over or is that not necessary 
Well, you know, it's interesting. When you start to delve into the turnkey companies, you know, a lot of them are in markets where inventory that that, that could adhere to that 1% rule are. Mm. And those tend to not be in some of the more expensive coastal markets. And so, I mean, a lot of them are in the Midwest, uh, some portions of the Southeast here where I'm at. And, And by necessity, there are a lot of people that they court who might have money and capital invest that don't live anywhere near these markets. Hmm. So it's very common for uh, folks to to be invested um, in these markets that don't live anywhere near them. Now, personally, for me, as it winds up working out, my, my properties are about an hour or so away mm-hmm. in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm, I'm in the in the southeast corner of Georgia there. So they're they're not they're not local in the sense that I can't just hop in and in 15 minutes be there. It's a little bit of a drive, but they're not too too far away. Um, I haven't I haven't gotten up the courage to invest across the country, which I've talked to some turnkey investors that do, um, and I, I may evolve to that. But uh, as it stands right now, I'm, I'm kind of regional with it, if not local. Okay. Boy, these are some really practical insights. If you want to learn more from our guest today, Dr. Kenyon Meadows, you can actually just jump over right over to his website, alternativefinancialmedicine.com. You can also pick up a, a copy of his book there, or at least it'll link you to Amazon, his book, Alternative Financial Medicine, High Yield Investing in a Low Yield World. Kenyon is staying tuned for our last segment. I hope you'll do the same. We will be right back with our final segment segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. DeRose. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. 
I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Dr. David DeRose back with Dr. Kenyon Meadows. We're speaking about alternative financial medicine. That's Kenyon's website, and it is the orientation he takes to some interesting approaches to better financial health. Kenyon, during the break, uh, you were letting me know a little bit more about your website. You're not just selling things, but you've got some great free resources. Uh, talk to us about this uh, turnkey uh, rental uh, property business. Well, right. Uh, right at the top of the website there, you'll see uh, the prompt for uh, a free ebook giveaway on turnkey rental properties. And, and in it, um, it, it basically walks you through my process for vetting both a property and a turnkey rental company. And it's got some, uh, some numbers in there on how uh, one of my initial property performed in terms of uh, you know the rent, the expenses, and just how that experience was, and uh, I think it's a you know nice, easy read with some good checklists in it and some good websites for further resources in there too. Great, great. Well, thanks for that uh, information. We've got a whole other topic that we promised at the beginning of the show that we'd be looking at some other alternative investment strategies beside real estate. Tell us about uh, some of those areas that you've jumped into. Yeah. I mean, most of the things that I talk about are basically in two two big buckets, the real estate bucket, which we spend a lot of time on, and then the alternative lending uh, arena. And this is very much an online thing. And basically what it is is there are sites out there that make it easy to connect people who are looking to borrow money for various purposes, pay off high-interest credit card debt, start a business, you know, working capital for an existing business. And, and basically what the websites do is that they vet the people who want to borrow in terms of confirming, you know, their identity, credit score, things of that nature. And they pair you up with a crowd of investors who are willing to contribute slivers of money to whatever loan amount that they want and earn uh, attractive, relatively high yields on that money. And when I say high yields, you know, we're, we're living in a world now where, you know, interest rates are still very low mm-hmm. and, and, and it's hard to get even 1% or so in your savings account. So if I can make 6 to 12% or more with these sites, uh, I'm willing to, to give it a try. And so that's the other big bucket, as it were. And so the specific categories are what's called peer-to-peer lending, so that's mm-hmm. kind of person-to-person. And another one is peer-to-business lending. Um, and so those are the two other arenas. And these are online websites that, that do this. So that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. And then, again, it uses a crowdfunding model where you're, not partic- you're, you're contributing a small amount to that person's total loan amount that they are requesting. So let me see if I've got this right, Kenyon. If I'm interested in this, let's say, peer-to-peer lending, 
I could go right now, I mean, theoretically, if I wasn't hosting a radio show, I could go to Alternative Financial Medicine, your website, alternativefinancialmedicine.com, and I could just plug into a search engine, peer-to-peer lending, and I'm going to find information right there, or is it not that simple? Well, if you say, for instance, if you were to do a Google search and put in peer-to-peer lending, you likely would come up with, there's two kind of 800-pound gorilla websites, as it were, that, that have the biggest profile. The, the, the biggest one is called Lending Club, and they're actually a, a public company now. Uh, they started doing this back in 2007, way before it was even on my radar. And they, as a testament to how big they've grown, they actually went into a public company in, in uh, 2014. That'd probably be one of the first sites that would come up. And what they do principally is when you look at credit card debt, okay, mm-hmm. the average credit card rate that people have, it's about 17%, okay, mm-hmm. is what most people pay on their credit card. And again, on the other side of that, you've got people like me who have idle money sitting in a savings account, barely earning 1%. So when you've got people who have 17% debt, and you've got people like me with extra capital earning 1%, wouldn't it make sense if somehow you could get some of the people who have investment money to maybe refinance out some of those people who have the high-interest credit card debt, and maybe they can meet somewhere in the middle, maybe like 8 or 9%, where I'm earning an attractive rate on my money now, and that person is saving a lot of money off of their credit card. Mm-hmm. That was the thought behind the, uh, the gentleman who started Lending Club. He actually looked at his credit card statement and sort of realized that, and that was the genesis behind the whole peer-to-peer lending thing. So that's, that's mostly what you're doing is helping people refinance out of high-interest credit card debt to something lower, and you're acting as an investor for them to do that. Now, how does the lending club or other entities uh, maybe uh, temper the risk, or do they not do that? Are, are you in danger of, of losing it all? Right. One of the value propositions that the, the site brings is that you – they have they do some minimum vetting of the people who are who are seeking the money. Of course, the, the sort of basic stuff like identity, but they also credit credit score, income verification, job verification, all those types of things. So you have and, and, and so you have to meet some minimum credit score, minimum debt to income ratio to even be eligible to get on the site. And then number two, the ultimate amount of money that you can request on there. Uh, it's, I believe it's $35,000 or less, and most people request less than that. Mm-hmm. And then number three, the site also makes it very easy for you as an individual investor to only invest a really small amount of money in any one particular loan. The, the actual investment minimum is only $25 to wow. any individual person's loan. And uh-huh. that's what's actually recommended and that you spread your risk out amongst lots and lots of different loans. Because obviously, despite the fact that the site is going to do some due diligence on the, on these people, these are ultimately unsecured credit credit loans, personal loans, and and so a certain percentage of them will go will go bad. And but the thought is is that if you are sufficiently diversified across a nice big pool, you actually will still wind up getting very near the return that you were expecting, based off of. Uh, what what interest rate the 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 site is uh, is charging the person, and so I've been on here for about four years now. Mm-hmm. Okay, just to give you an idea of it, 
And the returns that I aimed for were in the 7 to 8% range. And that's exactly what it's done over that time. Really? Now, what, is that, what does that look like for me? Well, I have more than $1,025 loans out there, and less than a percent of them have gone bad, but there have been some that have mm-hmm. gone bad. But it's still, as long as that percentage is relatively low, I still wind up making just about the return that I thought I was going to make. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's how that works. That is very interesting, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's basically a lot of opportunities out there. Many of them are tied to some of these these websites where a small yeah. investor can, uh, can dive in and can get some really decent return on their investment. They don't have to finance a whole house or uh, yeah. anything like that. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the crowdfunding model is starting to make some, some, some decent inroads. It's still something that, Obviously, it's not mainstream at this point, but for those who are out there searching for something different, it's maturing, and there are some sites out there that have you know a few years of track record of doing this, and it's very cool to be able to participate with small amounts to start. Well, now, just kind of looking at the big picture, I mean, a lot of people could say, well, yeah, a lot of these things are working right now because – the economy is doing relatively well. I mean, if you want to compare it to where things were at in 2008, where we started the whole dialogue, what's going to happen if we have another downturn? Are some of these alternative investments going to struggle just as much or more than some of the conventional ones? What's your take on that? Well, I think for some of them where you don't have any assets pledged as collateral, say, for instance, the uh, the peer to peer lending, which are these are just consumer loans, and you know if a lot of people have trouble in the economy, you, you would certainly expect to, there to be a spike in defaults. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly think that would happen. Same thing on the business lending, and so they they still would carry some degree of risk for the ones that are secured. Say for instance the private the private loans on the real estate, you actually do have a tangible asset backing up that right. loan that you could foreclose on and liquidate and, and potentially still come out whole. Uh, and, and obviously, with the owning of rental property, you know, even if people get into financial difficulty, at least they're, they're, they're going to let everything else go before they can't pay their rent. And so I think that's relatively safer than, than, than a, a lot of these other assets, too. Great points. Kenyon, believe it or not, our time has just about slipped away from us. We've been listening to Dr. Kenyon Meadows, a radiation oncologist, who is not only interested in trying to help you uh, deal with cancer, that is, if you uh, walk through his office doors, but he's also trying to help you be financially healthy. Kenyon, before we run, one last time, if someone wants to get your book or read your blog, give us your website. Yes, it's alternativefinancialmedicine.com. The name of the book is also Alternative Financial Medicine, available on Amazon. And again, they can get a sample chapter slash ebook on the website as well for free download. Thanks so much, Kenyon. Kenyon Meadows, alternativefinancialmedicine.com. Hopefully, today's show has made a difference for each of you, my listeners, because we're always looking to help you have the very best of health. Native Voice One. The Native American Radio Network.